On this episode of the Autumn Windbag, Soto says Jimmy Garoppolo is not injury-prone. Make the case that Marcus Peters is the best defensive player in the defensive back room of the Raiders. The Chargers championship window, you hear that? It's closing. We take a look at Max Crosby's mentality, and Josh Jacobs is getting pitched by his teammates to come back. And we love you subscribe, rate, and comment on whatever platform you're listening on. All right, here we go. I got a dream of winning a Super Bowl. I got a dream of being in a Pro Bowl. I'm really not into dreams anymore, okay? I'm into nightmares. There it is! Caught! Touchdown! Raiders! You're listening to the Autumn Windbags, an audio attack from the Silver and Black. Here are your windbags, RJ Clifford and Juan Soto. Yeah, it is another episode of the Autumn Windbacks. RJ Clifford, Juan Soto, let's have some fun today. 45 days away. I told you, man, it's going to start chunking. Next week's going to be 38, 31, then it's going to be a month. Oh, my God. Raiders, Broncos, football season begins. Training camp's underway. Just started today. We're recording on a Wednesday. Mm -hmm. It really feels like football. It really yeah, all, the they're, balls in the air. They're they're here now. The team is on the field. Mm-hmm. There yeah, are almost. ninety players, eighty six ish. With we'll get to in a minute. About ninety so players in the Raiders facility, all trying to be better. Half of them just trying to make the team. Everyone trying to one day get a championship, and it feels real. It's it's it feels like at the point, like at the beginning of Hard Knocks, when like the sprinklers going. Mm-hmm. And they're showing like, guys hitting the um, you know the sleds and stuff like that. It kind of feels like that. That I, I will admit, it doesn't truly feel like it's here until pads are on and you hear the, the crack, clack. Like that's football. I know, like the NFL is trying to make football into flag football in a passing league, but to me, the clacking of helmets and shoulder pads up against each other—that's the mo- that's the epitome of football. One of the best sounds on planet Earth. So, I always got super hyped up when I heard my cleats hitting the hitting the like click, the locker click, room click, floor, click, 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 the click, crack, click, click, clack, click. clack, and then like you start jogging on the field and mm-hmm. you feel your freaking your pads just popping up and down, just like the yep. little clack that you get, and you, that little sound that you get inside your helmet, that little echoishy echoishy sound that you get. That's mm-hmm. always got me freaking hyped. The first time coach calls you a motherfucker of the of double days. Oh god, like, oh, football's really here. We had three a day, dude. It was fucking terrible. It's crazy how like my just random Orange County High School practiced three times harder than NFL teams today. Oh, like, dude, double day NFL. It's three days on, mandatory day off, no double days, and here we are, just like fourteen-year-old RJ, and just you know, not some like powerhouse. Like we went to the playoffs one year, like you know, decent, decent D one high school. Just busting our ass harder than any NFL team currently does in 2023. Dude, we had people so foaming at the mouth and shit. Fucking, and I was before you, so I, my my shit was way my shit was worse. When that was, uh, there used to be like when, around the track when we'd run, the coaches would strategically put trash cans. So when dudes threw up from the workouts, it's like, yeah, it's, it's just right there. Keep going. Like you're not like going to the bathroom. You're not like leaving the workout area to throw no. up. You're gonna throw up where you're at. And then keep going. Swish it out of your mouth with water and then keep going. Yeah, that's football, baby. Uh, that's football. And, uh, then we had to do, and then we had to do film. Like, I don't even know what fucking my name is. Yeah. And everyone's fucking stinking in the freaking little film room. Oh, God. We had, we had one day off. During the season, we had one day off Sundays. We played games on Friday, film on Saturday, and then practice Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday during the season. Dude, my boy Jason, uh, he used to always sit next to me. And he used to always just like do some stupid shit, like annihilate somebody like on the, on the other side of the freaking play, like just for no reason. And he's like, hey, hey yeah. here's the play. Check it out. Check it out. Check it out. We're watching film. I'm like, oh, God, dude. He got some stick. He got some 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 helmet stickers, though. So. Well earned. Well earned, I'm sure. Uh, all right. Question of the day. We will pin this down in the comments section. Simple one. Are aliens real? Did you see the new report coming out? A Pentagon leaker reporting. So sweet. Whistleblower tells Congress the U.S. is concealing multi-decade program 
that captures UFOs. He's saying that he was told from higher ups he needed to be, he needed to be quiet. There's other reports that there are extraterrestrials that are being examined that the government has. And then there are a core of engineers used by the government to reverse engineer alien technology for American use. Are aliens real? Aliens are 100% real. You're you're on the 100% side. I'm 100% that they're real. There's nothing you can tell me to prove to me that they're not real. So the, you don't even have the burden. You don't even worry about the burden of proof anymore. Now you have, now have to prove that they're not real. They're fucking real, bro. You need, you need to prove. You need to do the impossible to change your mind. Prove Look, that something you, does. Prove that something doesn't exist. What what they do? What, what what the government does is they make they make movies like like Men in Black, and it's like they're 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 hiding in plain sight. Mm-hmm. That's probably what it's like. You know, it's probably like Men in Black, but. Oh, let's just make a movie about it. So it's like, dude, they're not going to make a movie about it. And that's exactly what it's like. So that's your evidence. <laughs> yeah. I want to have, I want to have one of those little grasshoppers. I watched this documentary called men in black. That proves to me that aliens Listen, are real. you don't know what I know. You don't know what I've seen. Uh, this is, this is a, a sticky point for me. Why would the government that is always looking for more funding? Like we are inventing wars. We are trying to do as much as we can. Like all these government military departments, are all begging Congress for more money. NSA, military, Pentagon, they're all like, we want more money, we want more money, we want more money. If they had proof that there's like, yeah, there's aliens out there and we need to be prepared to research them, defend ourselves, do all these things, give us a billion dollars, they would do it. It seems very counterproductive for the government to like hide evidence that there's aliens. Once you admit they're there, the weaponization of it is gone. Opposite. The weaponization of it is like, pay us. We need to. We need to look. We need to look out for these guys. Okay. Look, here's the problem, though. Once you admit that it's there, and it's not as big a deal as what, what it's in our mind, then, the like, then the scare t- the scare part is gone. Number one, and like the secrecy part is gone. You can't use those secrets to your advantage because there's no more secrets. But the advantage of the secret is that you can say, look at this alien spaceship that could nuke our country. Give us more money so we can well, prepare What if ourselves. it can't? That's the thing is, it but it doesn't have the, that capability. You if lose that get element here, of it's fear. Pretty you, you lose that element of fear. Maybe they've already infiltrated the government, and that's why. I'm trying to keep it a secret. It's true. Maybe. Anyway, question of the day. Are aliens real? Down in the comments section. Highbrow shit to start out. Episode 80, 181 of the Autumn Windbags. Uh, like I said, training camp underway. It's feeling like football. Um, right before training camp began, we got the pretty big news. Um, it was news we were hoping and mostly expecting. Uh, but Jimmy Garoppolo is cleared. Foot injury that he came to the Raiders with. The one that delayed his signing a day. The one that changed his contract. Open up the possibility that if he did not pass the proper physical, his contract's null and void. They, no, you know, and no void. signing bonus, uh, no guarantees. He gone. And he gone. Brian Hoyer's our starting quarterback, right? So uh, that was still that was still a possibility. No longer an issue. He has been cleared, passed his physical. His contract is now in. We will pay at least thirty three million dollars to Jimmy G String. Yeah, you know, look, people were flipping out. They're like, oh, I can't believe what we're doing. What are they doing to our team? We have a quarterback that ain't even going to play and this and that. And And it's just, they're just inventing. People were just inventing things to be upset about. And whenever one of their things to be upset about was knocked off the list, they just invent another one. Well, We all knew he was going to play. We all knew he was going to be fine. The doctor he said that, that did the surgery said he was going to be fine. But no, everyone knows better. Everyone wants to just be negative for no reason. Well, look, it was a genuine it's a genuine concern. Injury history with Jimmy G, right? That's like even even if he came into this season fully healthy, right? And this whole like hiding the foot injury and delaying the signing for one day. That's still a major. That's probably the 
the number one storyline of this season is Jimmy G going to stay healthy, right? I would, I would, it's probably it, right? I, I can be convinced it's something else. But the thing Josh is, Jacob situation, some other things, but that, is, that's a Jimmy G healthy is the number one storyline for the Raiders this season. Argument right? though, and 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 what I'm saying is that that's the follow up argument now. That's the changing argument to keep the negative flow, to keep the negative vibe. It's like, oh, he's not even going to see the. That was the first narrative. He's not even going to see the field. Why you sign a hurt quarterback that's not even going to play and this and that? Now that he's fine, now he's going to play. It's oh well, he's not going to finish the season. So it's like, it's it's always something well, else to jump on negative about. Well, I mean, look, it's there's re, there's negative and there's realistic. I don't think you're negative if you're concerned about Jimmy G's health this season. He's made it through one season, you know, well, one season. Have, you're not negative. It's I'm, I'm really jumping on this shit. Because I know you are. I'm getting I'm getting really tired of it, and I, I jumped on freaking and Rory because Rory was defending some of these fucking jokers. It isn't being realistic if you genuinely believe that every issue that we have on the team is going to turn out negative. Nothing, even the worst team in the league, not everything is negative for them, right? But every time when I hear, well, this and this and this, it's always negative or worst case scenario. Now you're being a hater. You're not being real. You're not hiding your negativity under a veil of realist realism or being realistic. It's being a hater. If every single part of this team that you see is negative or worst case scenario, that is hating. That's not being realistic. It's being realistic if you're concerned about Jimmy's health, right? Look, uh, you're not. You're you're, you're saying something right? different now. Well, no, no. I started with Jimmy. I wanted to be a Jimmy G conversation, no, and you went it, on. To, well, there's it. haters that hate. All these 17 other things it's like okay yeah like if you well, look if you look at the negative at everything sure like that's pretty negative of you but, but what you're saying. jimmy g he's been healthy one season his entire career like well two seasons one full he played, season he one played 15 season. games well, the game that he didn't play he wasn't hurt he was bent. he just was benched because it was the last game of the year but his 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 injuries aren't because he's injury prone his injuries was because he got injured Okay, now you're sounding absolutely ridiculous. Did you you're see saying Jimmy G is an injury did, prone. Did you see how he no. broke his foot? You're saying Jimmy G. Let me just get straight. You're saying Jimmy Garoppolo is not injury prone. He it's he it's not like he's clumsy and he's like soft, like he's like brittle bone or he's got like weak ligaments or something. I don't know medically what it he, is, but I do gets, know he's injury prone. He gets hurt because when he gets tackled, those people that are tackling, like, dude. When when he got when he broke his foot, the guy grabbed him and his knee landed on his foot as he was twisting him. So it wasn't like, oh, he, he got tackled a normal tackle and he ended up just breaking his foot because he he stepped wrong. Or so something. he's not injury prone. He's just prone to injury. Like I don't know what you're saying. Whatever you want to say, man. Dude, don't don't like how how can it's so crazy with you with quarterbacks. It's either the most negative everything with Derek Carr or the most positive everything with Jimmy G. How it's can you not, not say he's look, not injury prone? I don't even want to talk about that other fucking guy because I gave him plenty of time. I gave him plenty of time to show me who he was, and he did. And then don't get mad and don't bring him up because I kept telling you who he was, and he kept showing us who he was. Jimmy, now, G, Jimmy G has Jimmy told G, us who look, he is injury-wise, and he is injury prone. Like again, we're okay, hoping look, he's not going to be. That's not who you are. That's what happens to you. Because San Francisco can't keep any quarterbacks healthy. In his regime, there they can't keep they the, every single season they're on a third string quarterback, except when Jimmy G played the whole year. Every single season and he didn't play the whole year. They the multiple quarterbacks get hurt. Now I'm not saying that he hasn't been hurt a lot. But it's not like he steps out of the shower and freaking, you know, snaps a ligament in his foot or something. Like he's getting tackled and 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 they're rough injuries. They're not like, you know, he's popping a hammy left and right. I love your optimism. I love your optimism that you love the quarterback so much to say that Jimmy Garoppolo is not injury prone. I mean, this is the time for optimism. But he's been hurt a lot, but it, there's a difference <laughs> between being injury prone and and getting tackled and being hurt because of if, it. If he's not injury prone. What quarterback in the NFL is? Is no quarterback in the NFL injury prone? No. I mean, it's 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 very difficult. Like Darren Waller's injury prone now. Yeah. He got soft tissue injuries left and right. That's that's being injury prone. 
getting tackled and getting hurt because you're being tackled, that's like you fucking any what I'm saying is if you get if the play happens and any normal realist, you know, normal uh what's what's the word? What's Contact. the word they use in court? Like a like realistic or whatever. Erroneous. Any reasonable person of that size would get hurt or very similar injury. With there's a lot of quarterbacks that get hit all the time and don't get injured. It's anywhere not about near getting hit all the time. It's about that specific play happening to them. It's not like he gets tackled and hurt and every other quarterback would have been fine and he's the only one that got hurt because of it. He gets hurt every season. Your injury. You're gonna get hurt every season. This this, this is the shit that this is the shit. No, no, no. This is the shit that I'm gonna I'm gonna attack every single time. He doesn't get hurt every single season. He doesn't. He's been hurt two seasons. The first season he got there, and two other years he wasn't hurt. No, he's been hurt every season but one. The first season he got there, he played all eight games. That he was suited up to actually he went he went into a ninth game, the first game he went into. But he played, he started eight games, he wasn't hurt. And he, he got hurt in New England as well. So don't act like, like, oh, it's just the Niners that broke him. He got hurt in New England. He tore his okay, ACL yeah. in New England. Yeah, he's right? not he's not gonna make it past the first quarter of the first game. Okay. See, this is this is what you claim I do all the time. That's what I'm this just, is what you're doing right now. I'm just not you're trying to say Jimmy Garoppolo is not injury prone. I'm like, okay, let's understand your thought process here. Like, explain no, to look, me how a guy is an injury prone. This, the way that you're framing this is it's just a matter of time before he gets hurt. I'm not, again, I never said that. No, you're not you're, saying you're, it. You're, you're using your vivid it. imagination trying to guess what that. I what you want me to think. No. I'm, just, I'm saying it is a fact in football. Ask anybody. Jimmy Garoppolo's injury-prone, the most injury-prone quarterback in football currently. Hopefully, he makes it through this season. That's what the goal is, and you you make a great point. The Niners run through quarterbacks and get him hurt a lot. I'm sure that's a factor, right? These are all factors. These are all things. But he has a long history of getting injured more than any quarterback in football. Anything else that you think I'm saying or insinuating is your imagination. I'm saying you're not crazy as a Raider fan. To be like, okay, what are some of the things that, that could hurt this season? What are some of the things that could derail this season realistically? And I would argue Jimmy G's health is probably number one. And, and again, almost every single football team, if your QB1 goes down, that's probably the most detrimental thing that can happen to your team, right? Like this, yeah, right? Well, no, I, almost every single football team, as far as that goes. if the QB1 goes down, that's the number one thing that could derail your season, right? And then you have a quarterback that's gone down more than most. We are not unreasonable or negative to go into this season really keeping an eye on Jimmy G's health and concerned with it. That's not being negative. That's not, I'm not insinuating he's going to get hurt. I'm not saying he's going to trip out of the shower and break his leg. I'll make jokes like that all the time because it's funny, but I am not being unreasonable. And no Raider fan is unreasonable for being concerned about Jimmy G's health. Fair? The concern is one thing. Okay. Then that's not a problem. The concern is one thing because that's a, that's a concern. Like I said, when we first when we basically when we first signed him, that was my point. The concern over the health of our quarterback is no different from every from all thirty two teams. Yeah, everyone's concerned about the it's, it's more everyone's so because he's hurt more often. I mean, look, everyone's concerned, and it's the same level of concern if their quarterback goes down because nobody is super jazzed about their backup quarterback. All right. So it's it's a concern for all teams because of the way salaries go and all this stuff. It's really hard to have, a, unless you're John Gruden, to have a high-paid backup. So it's a concern for everyone, but you can't live your life in fear. You just got to do what you can do to 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 protect a quarterback like you would normally do and go out there and, 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 and hopefully make it happen. Okay. I think you. I think you understand what I'm saying, but you're. It's really. You're really struggling to admit that I'm right. No, it's not about being right and wrong. It's about how you. How you. What. 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 Per, what perception or what side of the perception you're looking at? Well, okay. After after this last seven minutes of conversation, Jimmy Garoppolo is injury prone. True or false? 
And I'll let you have the last word. I'm 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 going I'm going I'm not going to go as far to say he's injury prone. I'm not going to say that. It's different. I'm, I look at that. I look at someone being injury prone as something different. Okay. As something different. Um, he's been one, injured. He's been he's been oft injured, but it's not like he's injury prone. Okay. Because because those things and anybody who would have been in that position would have gotten the same injury. So you're saying false. Yes, injury prone is not the word. Okay. Uh, one last thing on on the injury. Uh, slightly, slightly conflicting, but I think this is more a uh, an exercise in the dynamic of Josh McDaniels and Jimmy G and how they talk to the media. Because Jimmy G's talked to said three pressers total for the Raiders. Two, I think maybe his first one. Um, when he first got signed. Yeah, and I think this one today. I. Th- Think, unless I'm missing one, it might be two, like two official, like press conferences, right? And so, uh, yesterday, Tuesday, uh, Josh McDaniels uh, was asked about Jimmy Garoppolo and his injuries. Are, are you, you know, are you going to treat him different? Are there, this is, you know, he's cleared, but is there any, uh, uh you can treat him any different than their quarterback? Is there like, oh, we're going to limit his reps or is there anything like that? He said, nope, treating it 100%. Great news. Jimmy G came on today and was asked about the injury um, and how he recovered. And he said, or uh, was there any worry you would not make training camp? And he said, never really a worry. We had a good game plan. The strength staff, training staff really tipped my hat to those guys. Did a great job just getting back to where I needed to be. I'm not fully there yet, but working in the right direction. So conflicting a little bit between Josh McDaniels and Jimmy G. This sounds to me like Jimmy G's like, still doing rehab like you're you know all the footage we've seen he's throwing the ball he's moving around you know semi-decent right like as much as to be expected mm-hmm. it sounds like he's at the tail end of his rehab not a hundred percent is what it's set is what kind of what i'm gauging out of it as a guy who's had to rehab a bunch of shit yeah. you can like you can be you could be training do a full practice and still go to rehab after right you're still yeah. getting stronger and, and and do prehab before mm-hmm. practice so and so that, that's what this, I think. This this is and that, and that's kind of what I is that that was my main point of this. Not that I think he's lying, like you know that JMJ's JMD's lying or whatever. It's like that's a good like, that's a fun little dynamic between how Josh McDaniels talks and how I think a genuinely honest guy like Jimmy Garoppolo talks. Josh McDaniels, yep, totally fine, we're good, right? Doesn't want anyone to think anything's different because that's just how he that's he's the patriot way, right? You don't tell the media anything, you don't get any hints, nothing, right? Or Josh, whereas Jimmy Garoppolo is just like, I'm just happy. You know, I just, I was just balls deep in a porn star this morning. Like I'm just a happy go lucky guy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm not hundred percent yet, but I will be. Yeah. And it's just kind of how they both communicate to media, which is kind of nice and refreshing that Jimmy G seems like a little bit more. I mean, he's more forthright, you know, it's not like, yeah. like the, 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 and I'm not, I'm not taking a shot because I know that we both agreed on this, but our old quarterback was very prepared and very measured and, Again, would say a lot, but not really tell you much. Well, the difference, I think, between Carr and the Patriot way is what Carr was saying seemed like it was at, I know my teammates are hearing this. I want to get them. That's what I'm saying. He's very prepared, side, very right? measured. Right? Whereas Pass is just like, fuck you, media, you get nothing. Derek Carr's like, I'm using this to my advantage. I'm not just going to like ignore this process. I'm going to let my teammates know how I feel and try to get them jacked up. Neither one of them entirely honest, but. Different mentality. Yeah, kind of similar, but different goals. Yeah. And I mean, look, like, like we were saying, he, he can be back healthy enough to do all the drills, healthy enough to pass his physical, but he still needs to work on it to make sure that it's strengthened and it, and it, and it, it, it holds up through the season. And that's prehab before practice and rehab after practice. So he's still working on it. He's not fully there because he still has to get it worked on. One, um, I'll use I'll use the B word, big signing. I'll say it was a big sign by Raider. I think by Raider standards in this offseason, big mm-hmm. signing. Cornerback Marcus Peters, yeah, is a Raider. Uh, the closest thing I found to the contract specs. If you've seen more more detail, let me know. One year deal up to five million. Yeah, it's that's like all I've seen. I have, and there's like a bunch of freaking kickers in there. I haven't. You, oh, you saw the details. All yeah, I, I think saw it was, was that. three and change, and then there's a bunch okay. of kickers in there. 
That makes sense. Yeah, because I, I that's what I figured, right? Two, two and a half, three guaranteed, and then you know, bonus shit, whatever. But all, all I saw was one deal up to five mil. Mm-hmm. So you know, three ish guaranteed, whatever. Um, jump change for a starter. So for those who aren't familiar with Marcus Peters, uh, he's been with the Ravens for a while. Three time Pro Bowler, one time All Pro. Fantastic player in his prime. He tore his ACL in 2021, two seasons ago. Played right again last season, season. I think. What? Right before the season. Yeah, missed the entire season. Did Dude, not that's play when all. Like, the Ravens had everybody fucking get hurt. Everyone yeah. tore ACLs. It's the turf in Baltimore. Was Dude, just I'm telling like, you, there's certain teams that I don't know what the hell they're doing. Mines. Like all know. of their running backs. Every single running back is hurt. Like half their secondary got hurt that year. Yeah. So he didn't play a single down in uh, 2021. 2022 had his uh, the worst season of his career statistically. He only had 13 starts. And in only 13 starts, he gave up 54 catches and 711 receiving yards. That's fourth most in the league. And he gave up seven touchdowns. That was tied for second. This is all according to pro football reference. He also posted career lows, just one interception and six passes deflected, right? Six pass defended. Now, he is immediately a starter for the Raiders. Just to give you some perspective about how bad our DB core is, if he would have played for us last season with those numbers, right? If he would have gotten those numbers last season, he was a Raider, had those exact same stats. He would have had, he would have been fourth in interceptions on the team and third in passes defended. His career low, his career worst, he would have been fourth in interceptions and third in passes defended. He would have been one of our better defenders on the team. So, is he falling off? He's in his 30s now. He's a little slower. Is he falling off when we're getting scrappy? Maybe. There's also the possibility that, look, he, maybe he came back from the ACL too early. A lot, you know, a lot of players do better in new systems. So, there's, there's upside here. There's, there's potential upside. Even if he is still in his worst, he's still one of the better defenders on our team. Yeah. So, so this is a great signing for a DB room that desperately needed a vet, a veteran, a leader, a guy that's seen it, done it, and still maybe the best corner on the team. Yeah, so it, it, for the corners, it's that second year back. That second year back is when you're, you're really there. Um, as far as... If you look at some of his peripheral numbers, he was just getting picked on a lot mm-hmm. because even though he gave up all those catches and he gave up all those yards, he was right at his season, his career average in, in uh, completion percentage gave, given up. Mm-hmm. He was right as, as his career average in yards per target and depth of target. So it wasn't like... And he's playing on a great defense where you're going to get picked yeah, on. Yeah, so you're, you're yeah. going to pick on the guy who's just back from an ACL injury. You're going to yeah. pick on that guy. And so he did get thrown to more. What does concern me is the fact that he was thrown to a lot more and his interception and um, pass breakup numbers were still really low. Yeah. But again, that suddenness, that break, that just you're a quarter of a second too slow, it should be better his second year back from the injury. So I, I could see him being somewhere in between where he was last year and, and, and his previous years. So the, my, my two biggest concerns are the obvious that, you know, injury, old, not bouncing back. Potentially an issue. That could be it. And also the something we talk about all the time with the Raiders is they hired or they, they picked up the not great guy on a great defense. And even how good as he played – he was benefiting from having a great pass rush and all these other things, right? Those, those are my two main concerns. But the possibilities of him bouncing back, pretty high. Not guaranteeing it, but certainly a possibility. Him being arguably the best DB we have on the team immediately, with, again, just even his numbers last year, he still would have been the best DB on our team last year. Um, it's a position that we desperately need, so we'll take We'll take guys, right? It's either if it wasn't him, it'd be like an undrafted free agent or who knows yeah, what. Yeah, you know, you get veteran leadership back there, man. Guys that know how he's, to prepare, guys that know how to study. He, he's a ball hawk, right? The, the interception numbers were down last season, but he has a tendency to be that if he bounced back, which again, we desperately need. We had six turn, we had six interceptions last season, and two of them were from Dunzel Perryman, who's not on the team anymore. 
They were so thrown we're, right into his stomach. Right into him, right? So we're we're returning four interceptions. Like that's who's returning back to our squad, right? And long term, most importantly, he keeps Nate Hobbs in the slot. We've had this conversation multiple times. Is because Nate Hobbs is the best ish DB, they're like, let's put him at the most important position, outside corner against their, you know, their X receiver, right? And I understand team is most important. And I understand you got to play what's best for the overall defense. And that's what you do if you're fighting for playoffs and championships and trying to win right this second. You're like, hey, you're a 90 in this position, but you're an 80 here and everyone else there is a 60. So we're going to have to have them have you move you for the better of the defense. That's generally the case. But we're probably not going to turn things around on defense right away. We were 30th in DVOA, 26th in points scored. This is a marathon, not a sprint to get this defense fixed. Long-term, Nate Hobbs is much better playing in the slot. I truly believe he can be our top slot corner for the next 10 years. Let him just thrive in that position and bring in Marcus Peters to play immediately outside. Almost almost guarantees Nate Hobbs is going to play at the position he plays best at. Yeah, man. Look, there's, there's something that I, I want to make sure that we're all clear on here. I don't want us to just default to the defense is going to be bad. Okay. Cause we got pieces back. We got guys second year in a system. Our pass rush should be much improved. Everyone wanted to talk about how, and I, I did a little research on this. Everyone want to talk about how Jimmy G always had a great defense in San Francisco. That's why he won when he took over an O and eight team that season and went five and three with the same exact team that was winless when he took them over they were the 28th ranked defense. Mm -hmm. The next season, they were number eight. So it's possible with a couple of pieces and the stuff clicking in their heads that they can improve quite a bit. And when you got players like Max Crosby up front and you have another leader on the defense and Marcus Peters in the secondary, who there is there, there is the, the expectation now. If the ball's in the air, that's our ball. It's a mindset now. That's our ball. We have to fly to the ball. It's not just hoping you can get your hand on it. No, that's ours. So go out there and make it happen. So we have that every single practice. You're working on it. And, um, you know, stranger things have happened, like going from 28 to 8. Are, are you saying you think that's what's going to happen? No, I'm saying it's very possible for it to happen. Okay. Do you, you, you have a prediction yet about what you think our defense will be? Next season, like with, I don't know who's I don't, so I don't know who's on there, so I have to I have to wait and see who's on there. Well, yeah. it's we should have our DB starters basically solidified at this point, right? Um, eh, that's outside like a corner. A second outside, outside corner is pretty you know. outside. Yeah, I mean, slot Nate Hobbs, safeties Marcus Epps, Trevon Merrick, Marcus Peters outside. It's I'm I'm ninety percent sure Duke Shelley's is going to be the other outside corner starter. I, it seems it seems like it's his job to lose. At this point, I, I, I see, I see, a, I see from what I've seen of Bennett, he's the he's kind of a a little bit of a smaller Marcus Peters because he gets his hands on a lot of balls like RJ at the river. Mm. He gets his hands on a lot of balls and he's he's a dynamic player. He can't catch for shit. He dropped. He would have had to double his interceptions. He would have had 12 instead of six if he could able, he could catch. But he gets his hands on a lot of balls, uh, and that was college and everything. But you know, if you're an instinctual guy and you're just always around the ball, we've seen players, uh, you know, come into the league who are ball hawks who can do it in the, in the pros too. Okay, I, I'm predicting Shelley. You're predicting otherwise. It definitely will be a rotation, a lot of rotation. I don't think any. I don't think that that other outside corner is going to be a dude who's just like, all right, let's keep leaving him out there all the time because he's head and shoulders above everybody. Yeah. Um, but I think week one, I think Shelly's starting. I think by like week three, we're gonna see we're gonna see okay, these guys are gonna pay the bulk and the other guys mm -hmm. are gonna rotate it. Kind of like the offensive line, how that worked out. Yeah. After like work week three or four, maybe you're gonna see a tighter rotation where the main guys are out there. The good news is we should see almost all those guys in the preseason playing. Definitely Shelly, definitely Epps, definitely Merrick. Probably Hobbs, probably Peters, just new, you know, at least a couple, a couple se uh, uh, series, right? We'll see. 
So, uh, Justin Herbert is loaded. Um, we knew this was coming, right? Not, not a shocker that the Chargers would come to an agreement with their uh, unfortunately ridiculously talented quarterback. I think he's a top five quarterback in the league. He's so freaking good, dude. He's, he's scary good. Well, thank God, Brandon Staley is the head coach. <laughs> they wasted his freaking rookie contract. So Thank happy. God. You hear that? That's the sound of their championship window closing. It is a, it's one of those, not one of those like sliding ones, one of those old school, like you had to turn a little crank and it opens on a swivel. Man. That's, that's, a, that's the sound of their championship window closing. It's not closed yet because technically it's an extension, not, um, not like a redone contract. Yeah. So for the purposes of us, for Raider Nation, all we care about is this line right here, cap hit. Because that means whatever money you give to the quarterback, you can't give to a defensive end or a receiver or a linebacker or whatever. And as we've talked about a million times, the greatest gift on God's green earth of the NFL is a fantastic quarterback on a rookie deal. Because you got a guy who's worth $40, 50000000 million a year making four giving out that kind of play and you're still able to pay all these other dudes. Mm -hmm. The chargers have arguably a top five roster, at least a top 10 roster. When we beat them, we kicked their dicks in two seasons ago in week 17 to go to the playoffs and send their whimpering asses home. The chargers were literally better than us at every position with the exception of quarterback, tight end and kicker. Maybe linebacker, maybe linebacker, but they were better than us everywhere. That's how talented this roster is. And they're able to do that because they had Justin Herbert and all this money left over. Mm -hmm. Now, starting next year or this season, 2023, eight and a half million dollar cap hit, still pennies. Next season, almost 20 million, not pennies, but it's still pretty fucking low. Really, really low. And then. 37 mil in 2025, Woo. 46 mil Woo. in 2026, and the last year of like, kind of the airtight contract, $58 million in 2027. Yeah, now, the salary cap is going to explode during that. Not explode, but it's going to continually go no, up. It's so going to fucking explode. So it's not. So the 58 mil then doesn't feel like 58 mil now, but still, from 8 mil to 50 mil, that's four other Pro Bowl players you can pay. That you're now giving to one. So the window for the Chargers to have like a dream scenario is this season. The window for it to be a really, really good scenario next season. And then after that, it's back to reality. Yeah. You are paying quarterback prices for the quarterback that you have cap wise. So we're hoping Soto that Brandon Staley can stick around for at least two more seasons oh, before, the, before they have to really eat. The Justin Herbert cap hits. Yeah, he needs to stick uh, stick around like a piece of gum in the sun, for sure. As long as possible. Look, man. As long as possible. I'm gonna start burner charger accounts and just tweeting at them. I love Brandon Staley. He's the best. Right. Give him a raise. I got my eyeballs. Um. So look, in the NFL, you need one of two things at quarterback. Okay. You need a really good quarterback on a rookie deal, right? Like you said, so you can. Build the team around him, but he's a really good quarterback, right? So he can he can still get get it done when he needs to get done. If he's not on a rookie deal, he needs to be a fucking baller because you, you're going to pay a lot for a quarterback anyway. If he's not a freaking baller and he's a vet on a huge vet deal, like a Kirk Cousins, Minnesota ain't going to go nowhere. They're going to win a lot of games, but they're going to shit and lose to the Giants in the fucking playoffs. Okay, that's what happens when you have that kind of quarterback. You have to give a lot of money to. And uh, unfortunately, they're in the Justin Herbert is that kind of baller and can win you a championship. Yeah, so his window is not going to close fully because yeah. he's that he's not much of a fucking baller. The bad news is he's not going in there, but we already knew that, right? We already, you know, Chargers weren't going to Yeah, They were going to pay him. Um, but that glory hole is closing. I'm really going to try to make that nickname stick when you have a rookie quarterback and you have that that gap year, those gap years. I wonder why it wouldn't. Hole. I don't know why it wouldn't. Glory hole. I mean, why don't you know? It's where you get glory. That window.
Um, it's about time for our monthly to bi-weekly Max Crosby circle jerk. We haven't done it in a while. Oh, God. That was such a good interview. He said a lot of great things. If you haven't seen his press conference from today, it's worth just listening. Um, but it's short. One, the interviews are pretty short, so you can get yeah. through it pretty quick. Whole, they interviewed four guys, and it was like 32 minutes. Right? It was worth and, it was a lot of, and there was a lot of dead space in between. Like The actual interview time is less than 20 minutes. Um, and, I, and I mean, in my, in my opinion, no one really said anything all that interesting. Devonta Adams talked about Jacobs a little bit, which we'll get to. Um, we heard from Marcus Epps for the very first time. His interview was like two questions. <laughs> no one cared. You see, when uh, they said he was done, he's like, really? Okay. <laughs> uh, but the Max Crosby interview is always worth listening to. He is just such a blessing that he is, that he is a Raider. He is like what he does on the fields and his stats, obviously phenomenal. All the other things, just the way he raises everybody up, raises the intensity, his mentality. God bless Max Crosby and that Raider tattoo. Um, so he, this is the thing that got me the most, which is like kind of part of his mentality. I don't know if you if you remember this, Soto. Take a listen. You know, I know how I feel. You know, once you feel good and then you find another level to tap into, then you keep finding another level. So for me, it's always pushing and, and being uncomfortable. You know, this offseason – like I talked about it, like me and I went and sparred <laughs> Sean Strickland and I went to Miami and ran 10 miles with Hunter Campbell, just crazy. But like just putting myself in situations that I don't want to be in and just doing it. And like I've just see, you know, <laughs> once you break like past that, like mentally, you could always tell yourself like, all right, I'll be good after just this. But it's like, no, I give myself no option. There's nowhere to run when you're in a cage with another, you know, professional assassin, and it is what it is. But um, once you do things like that and you just you live like that, then you get into games and it just becomes like you're the one hunting people. You know, it's not like you don't feel, you're not fearing anything, you're not thinking about anything. Um, you don't, you don't think, you just go. So that's that's how I always try to try to be all year round. So we're both LA guys, we're both Laker guys, and the Mamba mentality. Mm-hmm. Kobe Bryant is like a big thing, right? Like, oh, that's the mentality I want to grasp. And it's so many athletes do. Max Crosby mentality is greater than Mamba mentality. Sean Strickland is a Ooh. top 10 UFC middleweight. A guy. And, and not, a savage. So, like, you know, for those of you who watch mixed martial arts of the UFC, like, you're like, oh, cage fighters have screws loose and they're all crazy. Like, you're, you're, you're kind of, you're kind of right, more or less. You got to be a little bit nuts to get in there. He's the crazy one of that group. Yeah, the, the fighters call him crazy. He's the one that's been kicked out of multiple gyms, always says something outlandish and insane. They do that like he doesn't like do strength and conditioning. He just spars. He just spars constantly. He's like, if I'm not punching a carbon-based life form, I'm going to just fall into depression. The dude's clinically insane and a top 10 middleweight. And Max Crosby sparring him at Syndicate Gym in Las Vegas. Yeah. This is what I'm talking about when Max Crosby says, I'm just trying to get myself out of my comfort zone and push my limits. How many other $100 million all-pro professional NFL athletes are like, oh, I'm going to go to my, you know, they're all, they're, they talk about like, I'm, and they work hard. You know, you're doing your sprints, lifting your weights, going through your workouts. You're doing those things, but you're in your comfort zone. You're doing what you've been doing every day, every season since you were eight. Max Crosby's like, how can I be the smallest fish in the biggest pond? How can I be in the most uncomfortable and scary setting that there is? They have this thing called octagon jitters. Like the first time you step into the UFC, the bright lights, the big octagon, the giant crowd. It should be, it shouldn't be called octagon jitters. It should be called octagon shit your pants. Like it's scary as fuck in those cages. Max Crosby like thrives on that. He's like, put me where I'm at my weakest against guys that are at their best just to make me mentally stronger. Mm -hmm. That's our Max Crosby. Yeah, man. I mean, I told you today that I was going to be a little bit late because we were doing a shark tank at the gym. So what a shark tank is, what we do, what we do in a shark tank at, 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 at the gym where I work is somebody says that they're interested in fighting and they haven't fought for us before. So we kind of surprise them. We kind of let them make, make sure that they're doing what they need to do. They're showing up every day. They're doing strength and conditioning. They're a good teammate. They're pushing themselves, right? And then we spring it on them. Instead of sparring, we say, okay, you're going to do a shark tank today. So what they do is they fight 12 rounds in a row against a fresh person every round. 
and they're there just to run everyone's going in there to run through them so we put them in that position to break them of that kind of so the first time they're in that fight or flight mode it's not in an actual fight they push through that at the gym and this is what max is doing to himself every single once he gets that next level okay now he's going to put himself in even deeper water and then even deeper water so when he's you know, when it's fourth down and, and, and goal at the six-yard line and he's freaking tired because he's played the entire fourth quarter, he can dig deep and he can still perform because mentally he's not going to defeat himself. Once you've sparred a top UFC fighter, all of a sudden, like, Trent Williams doesn't seem so intimidating. You know what I mean? Dude, Sean Strickland, dude, like, he's not going to go easy on you. He's not going to take your head off, but he's not going to pity pat you, dude. He's going to make you feel it. Um, one last thing on this, and I know it's a lot of combat sports for you guys, but it's just to understand the mentality, like how mentally strong high level combat sport athletes are. So Dan Gable, greatest American wrestler of all time, like the God of American wrestling, right? He went undefeated in junior high and high school and college until the last match of his senior year. He lost to Larry Owens out of Washington, right? It's one of the most legendary stories in wrestling, right? Undefeated Dan Gable. It's his loss. People ask Larry Owens how he did it. And Larry Owens said, leading up to that match and leading up to the NCAA tournament, I would always go to other gyms and other wrestling rooms where I knew I was hated and trained there. I put myself in the least comfortable environment leading up to wrestling the greatest wrestler on, in, in America and soon to be on planet Earth. That's how you beat Dan Gable, putting yourself in uncomfortable situations and being comfortable there. Or being uncomfortable is normal. So when it's fourth quarter and you're exhausted and you got Trent Williams in front of you, you have that feeling constantly. You're constantly in that mode of, I'm tired, I'm beaten, this sucks, I'm scared, I'm nervous, can I do it? There's doubts. If you're always there, it's totally normal. And, and, that's, and that's the next level Max Crosby. Yeah. Because look, there's a really big distinction between having courage and not being afraid and having courage, not being afraid and still being able to perform. Yeah. I don't need courageous guys out there that are just dead that aren't going to make a play. No, I need you out there being courageous, but still be able to make a play. And that's max. Uh, some more training camp news. Uh, a couple guys were not, at camp, um, Tyree Wilson still on the physically unable, right? Still working on the injury. Uh, Byron Young physically unable to perform. Uh, Nate Hobbs had that fucking softball injury. He <laughs> doesn't know how to catch a fly ball, dude. He's he's like, freaking eyeball. He, yeah, if you hear, there's like a, there's a charity softball game in Vegas, Raiders versus the Golden Knights. Nate Hobbs played, and a fly ball he missed, and it bounced right off his noggin. And he had his like stitches and all swollen. So, his eye. so he'll be fine, but he's he missed the first day of training camp with a fucking funny story. Funny story in, in his in Max Crosby's interview, he talked about Jose Canseco going out there, like because you know he's an Oakland guy, right? So he guess he's in Vegas now. He went out there and he like legitimately hurt himself, like swinging too hard. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you noticed, but an oblique injury from a baseball player, that's an old man injury. And he went out there and he legitimately hurt himself. So and we'll get to uh, the other guy that wasn't there today. The obvious one. But here's one that, that kind of got me thinking. Neil Farrell Jr., our second-year defensive tackle, uh, on the non-football injury list. Not playing today. Or not didn't practice today. And I didn't think much of it at first. But then I started like looking back on him. Remember, he was a healthy scratch in week 10 last year. Like, it was a, like a disciplinary thing. Like, he did, it never came out, but like, he didn't play week 10, not because he was unhealthy or didn't make this. He just, it was like punishment. He had a very underwhelming season last year. Um, only played like 100 something snaps, um, a tackle for loss, just a handful of tackles. Barely, you know, did not see the field all that much with a defensive tackle unit that was pretty terrible, right? If you can't start on this defense, yeah, defensive tackle thin. unit, you're probably not probably not starting anywhere. So I'm starting to think, like, are there red flags with this guy? He's a fourth-round pick, 
a position we desperately need guys to step up. Are the red flags starting to add up? Like, is this because we we both are like, right? This is a guy that needs to be a contributor pretty soon and should be. This LSU year he's got to dude, do it. LSU dude, this. And this isn't just one time, right? This the red flags are starting to add up a little bit where maybe he's not cut out for this. So I want to give him the benefit of the, of the doubt on this one. Mm-hmm. Because if you if you didn't hurt yourself in a an actual team practice, then it's an NFI. He could be yeah. working, he could have been working out on his own and he tweaked something and he just he wasn't ready. It's common. It happens. That's what happens. He was doing batting practice with Jose Canseco. Yeah, right. They both pulled their rib cages. (laughs) No, that's what happened to Byron Young. He was working out and he tweaked something. It was a lower leg thing. I don't know if it was a foot or ankle or calf or what it was, but he should be fine. But the thing is, it's I don't know yet. It doesn't look great from that perspective, but it's not all too uncommon to have that happen in the beginning of camp. So... Yeah, and that's what I'm saying is any one of these things by itself, you're like, nah, not that big of a deal. But it's kind of starting to add up in and out of the lineup. Very little it's production. It's going to catch my attention, though. It does catch my attention. It's something, it's another, it's it's one of those things to keep an eye on this training camp, right? Like, how much is he playing in the in the preseason? How much is he contributing? Because this is, this is, this is a guy we thought was going to contribute for us, and he has yeah. not. And that second, that second year for, a, for, a, for an interior defensive lineman is usually a big jump, a big leap. Keep, so, keep an eye on that specifically because yeah. we desperately need, we need someone to step up at DT. We need somebody. somebody to. The other guy that wasn't there, Josh Jacobs. This is my shock face. Uh, there was um, footage, not footage, but someone caught him flying out of Las Vegas this week. He's just like, all right, yeah, I'm not going to training camp. I'm not currently under contract. I did not sign my franchise tag. I cannot be fined for missing this. I cannot be fined until I start missing games. The one part, the part about this that I liked is in the presser, Max Crosby and Devontae Adams, both, when they were asked about it, were very adamant, like, he's my boy, you got to do what's best for your family, uh, saying all the right things and saying all the things that are true. If, if jo- Josh Jacobs owes to himself more than anyone, and if this, is, if this is truly what he feels is what is going to be best for him and his future, then okay. I'll... The Raiders are emotionless, so you should be too. I get it. I mean, to be fair too, JMD said the same thing. He respects the fact that he's doing what he's doing. It's business. He's doing, you know, it's his right to do it. But what Crosby and Adams said, they both brought up how they were trying to nudge him back. Yeah, Crosby, they were trying to talk him into signing that tag. Max Crosby went to his house, like went to Josh Jacobs' house and was just like, hey, bro, like here's all the things that, here's all the reasons why you should come. I, I respect what you're doing. You got to do what you got to do. You're a grown-ass man. But here is my PowerPoint presentation here's on why pitch. I would like you. Yeah, here's my here's my elevator pitch on why we would love to have you on the training field ASAP. And I had no doubt that players were probably doing that. But for them to do this, to say publicly that they did that, that they were kind of nudging, they could have easily said, hey, you know, we love him, you know, whatever it takes. They could have said what Josh McDaniel said. It's like, hey, he's going to do what's best for him. We love him. Hopefully he comes back soon. But for them to kind of like even lay out their reasons why to media, especially Devontae Adams, who's who's a who's a pro with media, like he, he always says something, but he doesn't really divert divulge a lot. For both of these, arguably the two biggest leaders on the team, the two best players on the team, to say, yeah, we um we talked to Josh, we made our pitch, hoping he comes back. That's a that's that's a nice yeah, that's I mean, a look, that's a nice sign. It is, but it also could be kind of a solid for Josh Jacobs too, because it's telling the front office, "Hey, man, we tried to get him in, and he's dug in." Mm-hmm. So, I don't see him. I mean, look, honestly, I, I don't think they have sent out a a Saquon deal for him, basically giving him upfront money to show up to camp. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think they've they've offered him something like that. But if they did offer him something similar to that, I think he'd take it. Because right now, look, like you said, there's no incentive for him to show up to training camp because he doesn't get paid until week one. So he's just giving him free labor. So why do it? 
Well, for the, for the reason that Devonte and um and and Max said, it's like to make the team better, right? Like you're not. So this I is mean, like if you're a receiver and you need timing, like the running back is the position on the field where you can show up the Wednesday before the Sunday game, get the game plan, and be fine. I, I get that part, but if he's holding out for like on principle or as part of leverage, there's nothing there. Like that's stupid. Like it's a done deal. Like you're not. I understand holding out when there's a contract, right? Like if I, if I don't show up and I want this five year deal. I may hate it, but I understand the leverage. I understand the move. Yeah. It's a power move, right? I'm not going to show up. Him not showing up, like he has, like his, his contract's done. Like it's a done deal. Not maybe, necessarily. Maybe it's a just, Saquon thing could happen. Yeah, you can sign maybe. a one year deal, but um, that's, but he he's using, he's, he's exercising what leverage he does have until it's gone, which is the beginning of the season. It is, it does feel good because normally, like what have we what have we talked about before, like even the best players out there, and I, I have no doubt that so many NFL players care about the team doing well and care about wins and losses and getting rings and they love their coaches and all that shit. Number one thing they care about is their money. Number two thing they care about is their teammates' money. Always the case, and whatever's number three, distant number three. I, I have no doubt Max Crosby is fucking loves this team, wants everything to be happy, everyone to succeed. He cares about his money. Yeah, he's only getting 100 plus million bucks. Right? That's his two two big things. The fact that number three for Max and Devontae is starting to bump into number two a little bit is nice. I'm still, they still want Josh to get paid. But the fact that they're able to... Because if it was just money, they'd be like, he's doing what he's got to do. Like, I, I fully support yeah. Josh. And they want to be... They want to. They want to be assholes either. If if no. both Devonte and Max were just kind of like, "Hey, man, it's between them." My Josh's name is Paul. Brother, he that busted his ass. Well. I want to. I want him paid in here as long as possible. Like he could. That, that could have been a totally fine. We would not be bashing either one of them. That's what they said. Nope. But they chose to go with. We tried to talk him out of it. We tried to make our. We made our pitch. Yeah, because I mean, ultimately, at this point, it's not going to get any richer, money wise. If they put an incentive thing in there, maybe. But it's going to be what it's going to be. It's not like he's going to get a long-term deal. But, I mean, on a side note, how big of a fuck you was this? Saquon signs his, like, modified one-year deal, and the Giants in, like, 30 minutes later or the next day sign their freaking tackle for, like, the richest money for an offensive tackle. Well, dude, how um, how many insanely good tackles are there on planet Earth? Oh, God, how many, when you got to pick. How many running backs? Dude, that's what I'm saying. It's like economics man That's like the way that look passing the ball catching the pass protecting the passer and getting after the passer that's what's paid big money in the nfl well and again like even even outside of just general football right outside of like football economics just walk around anywhere how many 350 pound six foot seven insane athletes do you run into almost never and if you do, they're probably NFL players. How many five foot eleven, hundred ninety pound, you know, solid guys. strong athletes do you run into? You see them every day at the gym, all the, time. all the time. Like again, again, Josh Jacobs don't grow on trees, but quality running backs, there's hundreds, mm-hmm. hundreds. Top top tackles, twenty, maybe, maybe twenty five, maybe in the league, right? Yeah. Ready to do some what up win bags? Yes, sir. So we went all fun. What up, windbags? The question of the day last week was, what's your best icebreaker joke? And you guys delivered. So I figured we'd play the best of the best of the best. Play the good ones. Top three. Here's the top three. Lencho 182. What's the difference between an enzyme and a hormone? You can't hear an enzyme. So good. I know this joke. When I started reading, it, I'm like, oh yes. And I love a I love a good dirty dad joke because generally the dad jokes are like something you tell a seven year old and you want to keep it clean. You can tell you, go, you can tell a seven year old this joke and he won't get it. That's what that's that, the best part. That's that's the thing is like a dad joke that's also dirty, like kind of oh, so good. It kind of deviates from the it's it kind of like deviates from the instruction, 
but in a fun way. So good. Nine Spartan 40. A bear walks into a bar, orders a whiskey and a Coke. Bartender responds, why the big paws? The bear says, I don't know. I was born with them. I had not heard that one. That was pretty good. <laughs> so good. Pure dad joke. That is pure, uncut, ready to be snorted dad joke. Uh, but this is this is the number this is the one, best one. This is so icebreaker good. dad joke. It's so short. Like there's not one syllable that was like overused. You could tell this joke in three seconds. It's almost, it's almost as good as as my peanut joke. This is better. At Jack's know. Rory. I opened my water bill and electric bill at the same time. I was shocked. It's so good. <laughs> it's bad. It's so bad. It's good. Oh, God. You guys really came through, man. You guys I love, really came through. I love our windbags. I fucking love our windbag. I think they're just like us. I think they're just like 40-year-old dudes that have jobs, kids. They have to be on their best behavior all day long. And they're like, I just want to hear some football. And some jokes. I just want to laugh a little bit and hear about my Raiders. And here they are, showing their true colors. Thank you, guys. Yeah, Thank man. You. It's 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 a time where we can we can be lighthearted and we can you know it's it's optimism season right now. Yep. You know um, that's why that's why I attacked a lot of the a lot of the negative viewpoint of things because now is the time for optimism. There's plenty of time for for for. for being real and being passive. There's plenty of time for that. Once we start reality, well, reality's dick is going to slap us in the face. So let's, it's worry. optimism season right now. Now for us to point out the ways why things are going to Let's motorboat the optimism titties. Oh, while God. They're, so while they're there in front of us and within reach. Uh, well, along those lines, um, it kind of is like, I don't think there is a higher point to have the optimism because um, we got 90 guys suiting up trying to make the roster, trying to get better, you know, knock on wood, not trying to, but you know, like maybe training camp injuries or preseason injuries, like that's in the future. Right. Um, you know, we can't lose a game yet. Right. Mm-hmm. All optimism, peak optimism right now. And hopefully it stays as long as possible. Uh, coming up, we will get into more training camps. Training camp rolls along. They put the pads on next week. Things get really, really short here in the, the pop in. Uh, updates on Josh Jacobs, updates on Neil Earl Jr., um, and all the uh, workings of the silver and black. I got one last question for you. I got one last answer for you. Who are you most excited to see in camp? Well, if I want to use my powers for good, I would say Josh Jacobs because that means he's in camp. I mean, I mean, who's there now? I mean, that's just who you are most excited to see. I, I understood the question you wanted, but I was like, I always like to use my powers for a greater purpose. So like, oh, if I can use my hypothetical magic, yeah. it'd be to bring Josh Jacobs in. How philanthropic of you. I, I am philanthropical. Uh, well, I mean, I think the easy answer is Tyree Wilson because mm-hmm. it answers that same question too, right? He's got to be healthy, so he's in there. And he's mm-hmm. our first uh, our first round draft pick. For sure, I think, yeah, clear, I think I think I think clearly, clearly he's the he's the one you want to hear great things from out of the gate because you know you know I are, are, are both high on him, but I think I think a lot of fans were really quick to be like, pass rush is fixed. We got Terry Wilson. It's like, dude, he's still a rookie. Like even the best pass, like even Max Crosby, like he, he showed a little bit his rookie year, but it took two or three seasons for him to really mature and become the fucking badass that he is. Yeah, uh, Chandler Jones, same thing. Took him a little bit to get like almost every single edge rusher. Like, not everyone's Parsons, you know. Like, almost yeah. every really good defensive player is like, yeah, you know, a couple seasons and they start taking off. It'd be awesome. Hey, it's certainly possible as a rookie he goes he goes crazy. But well, yeah, he does have a Max Crosby on the other side, right? So it's so it's like let's be realistic, right? Let's you know he'll probably need a couple seasons before he's he's the stud we hope he can be because I think a lot of people were just like oh problem solved we got Tyree Wilson it's like hopefully hopefully yeah. hopefully he's an enigma yes sir you're, you're in the same boat it's got to be it's got to be Wilson right uh actually actually Michael Mayer man I, I I think that we got a really big steal in him yeah. I think he's gonna be he's gonna be that prototypical uh Do Josh McDaniels type of tight end. 
we're going to be a little bit more stealth now. We're not going to be as as uh, predictable in our formations, what we're going to do. Because how, how often did Waller, even Moreau for that matter, line up on the line of scrimmage, like in line with the freaking they, – they were split out a lot. Yeah. And that's not Michael Mayer's game. He's going to be a traditional tight end, not going to give away, you know, a play with the formation. I think at the end he can get open. He, he finds a way. He's not super quick, but he finds a way to create space. And from all accounts I read today, he really did a good job, uh, made some plays today. You know, it's against air, but still, you know, you got to do that first before you do it against other people. So I think I, I'm, I'm more excited to see how he – I think we got a really big steal with him in the second round. He was he was basically unanimously regarded as the steal of the second round. Like pretty yeah. much every analyst was like he was this of round, of round two. Of round two, he was – not the whole draft, but of round two. is was like a lot of guys had round one grades on him. Raiders moved up, got him. Yeah, the only the only thing, um, not knocking him, but it's like receiving threats is already our strength, right? Like he's gonna be splitting um, like targets with Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro and blah blah blah. blah. That's, the, that's the only well, as with Tyree Wilson, it's like we desperately need you to get after quarterbacks and start making defensive moves here. But yeah, a couple, couple rookies to be really excited about. Until then, Malcolm Wood, if you're with me.